0: Uh, Welcome to my living room, um, everyone. Uh, Well, uh, no, that's okay, sure. (laughs) Anyway, there's only 37 other items to go. Um, That's okay, everyone, I've got it. Uh, I do feel like a bit of a gunslinger today um, because I've got this one in my left hand uh, and I've got this one in my right. So I'm not sure if I'm that coordinated. Uh, so Shane-Ann may need to take over from the preaching if, and I'll do the slides, okay? Uh, but welcome to my living room. Um, we, I mean, we can have the first slide up. Is that my job? Here we go. So we're doing, it's been doing a series. This is the third week of the Steps to Personal Revival series that we've been looking at. And Pastor Mike beautifully led us into this week by making us so aware of our need for the Holy Spirit. But where I wanted to start off with was just a bit of self-help for you guys, because I want to give you something to take away today. So I brought a bit of a library here, uh, some great books. Um, You might have some of them. Love to get some more recommendations from you just because there is so much stuff out there about how to live a good life, how to live, sorry, I'm really puffed because of all of that (laughs) exercise. How to live a good life, how to be effective in your life, how to live a rich life, how to live just an abundant life Uh, and uh, and there's a self-help section you'll find in most bookstores now to do it. Got a couple here that are classics. Um, Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Who's got that one? There'll be a few hands, surely. I won't ask if you've read it. Um, But I've got at least two dog ears in there. So Stephen Covey, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. As a parent, I feel like I need this one. Everyone needs one Steve Biddulph book, don't they, if you're a parent? I just feel like obliged to do it. That's a good one. Uh, Happy Children um, includes The Secret of Happy Children and more secrets of happy children. Um, I feel like I need to continue reading that. Um, got a bit to go. Uh, okay, uh, Good to Great. That's a good business one, but a good leadership one. Has anyone read that one? Very good book, Good to Great. Um, very good, I am still well and truly in the good section. Here we go. Uh, this one is uh, short life advice from the best in the world. That's the tagline, tribe of mentors. And it is just a thick book of tons of people who are incredible, um, and they're giving you their tips, and therefore you will be incredible. I'm assuming, is the rationale. Um, so, tribe of mentors. That's a good one. Uh, this one, and uh, this one's about just about resilience, um, enduring mind, body, and the curiosity, elastic limits of human performance. Whew. That has no dog ears. We'll get to that one one day. Um, that is not happening yet. Uh, John Maxwell. Who doesn't have a John Maxwell book? I mean, lots of you might not, but I feel like a lot of people do. Um, lots of, the Today Matters, that's a good title. There's urgency there. Um, Malcolm Gladwell. He's interesting. This one literally hasn't even been cracked open, that, though. Uh, Blink. It's a good one very interesting Malcolm Gladwell. I feel more intelligent by just telling you I have one of his books. Um, uh, And The Life Audit. I haven't read this and I don't know how it ended up in my library. I feel like this one is, I just feel like this one is harsh and I could never recommend it. It's called The Life Audit Handbook for Life. How to make friends, beds, love, tea, money and make the world a better place. I think the premise is, if no one's adding value to your life, you audit them out. I think that's kind of where it it goes. I can't recommend that one. So there are tons of books these days that tell us how to live a good life. Uh, There is a book out there called, um, I think it's called Jesus is My Life Coach. Um, And so I suppose where I wanted to start today was that Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit is not your life coach. Okay, because I feel like he's a little bit more than that. I feel like God is a little bit more than another self-help book to make you have a better sleeping routine or eating routine or time management routine or whatever other routine that is good for your life. So I'm not, I'm not dissing the stuff here. There's actually, they're actually, except that Life Audit one, really good books uh, and, and really enriching. But God... Jesus the Holy Spirit is not your life coach he is so so much more than that and that wasn't a catchy title so thanks for coming to my living room and yet I feel that sometimes that's exactly who we make him our life coach that a life with Jesus he can make us good he can make us better he can make us more effective Um, and yet He is so much more than that there's a really interesting story in Acts 19 and I think I could probably put myself in this category for a very long time Uh, let's read it Acts 19 1 to 2 it says while Apollos was in Corinth Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus It was his third journey to Ephesus there he found some disciples and asked them did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed they said, "No, we've not even heard of that. There is a. We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit." And sometimes I think in uh, many churches that we are people of the book, that we have a great picture of the Father, of the uh, extraordinary love of Jesus and what He did for us. Sometimes I think we stop there, rather than accept the life-changing Spirit. That God offers for us. And I feel like these people, okay, I've heard of him, but I wouldn't say necessarily he's an active part of my life. Um, I think there can be a few reasons for that. I think it can be a bit scary. I think if we had a family portrait of the Trinity, I think God the Father would look very responsible, um, but kind and loving, um, but with an edge. Um, I feel like Jesus would just be smiling. He would be he would just be smiling and then I feel like the Holy Spirit would just have really shaggy hair kind of buttons undone kind of running out of the picture because he's got something going on somewhere it's just this crazy kid just running around amongst everything creating havoc uh, like he did in the book of Acts uh, to the point where people said are these people drunk I said no just the Holy Spirit just doing his thing in a new way And I think sometimes we live not just individually but as a community without that life-transforming relationship with the Holy Spirit. In fact, that's probably incorrect. We live with the Holy Spirit whether we know it or not, but we're not aware. And there's no acknowledgement, and therefore there is no power in our life. The Christian who neglects the Holy Spirit is like a lamp that's not plugged in that resonated with me because there are times most weeks where I go I'm not plugged in I am I am doing this off my own steam and I am not plugged in here's another great quote um, that resonated with me it says without the Holy Spirit the best we can do is the best we can do So we can become better people, more effective, have better habits, be healthier, and still miss the point of the life life transforming nature of the Holy Spirit, because without the Spirit, the best we can do is just the best that we can do. So this is the question, where on earth is God? So we wanna be open to the Holy Spirit. Where on earth is he? Where is he hiding? Let's take a really quick 60 second journey through the Bible. I'm not joking uh, because if there is, uh, there are so many wonderful themes that transfer through the whole of scripture. This has gotta be one of the best about God's desperation to dwell or be present or be home with his people. And so it starts off in Eden, very first chapter of the Bible. It says, God walked with them. He dwelt amongst them. He was home with them. Uh, Some things went wrong. And then God gave instructions to build the tabernacle, this tent of meeting. And he built it. Why? As it says on the screen, so I can dwell among them. Meanwhile, there are all kinds of other gods out there being worshipped by other people. And they are far away. They are distant. They don't want to be mixing with their creation because they're gods. Dwell among them. I'm not like them. I I am God. And here is God in the very beginning walking among them. When that goes wrong, he says, well, you know what? I've got another plan. It's called the tabernacle so I can dwell among them. And you know, there was a light in there, uh, that candle that shone all night. It was to be the light for... camp they wanted something more permanent so we had the temple and when that was built it says the cloud filled the house of the Lord God's presence was in the temple he was once again dwelling permanently within the temple and with his people with his chosen people and that got destroyed And the prophets started prophesying about a time when God would once again dwell among them, that he doesn't need a building, that there is a time coming, and Ezekiel says it and Joel says it, that there is a time coming when you know what, these dry bones are going to come to life again, that you're not going to need, uh, there's going to be a new type of temple where God will dwell amongst you. So they were really disappointed when they came back out of exile and they rebuilt the temple, but God's presence didn't seem to be there so we move to Jesus the ultimate it was like God just got fed up and said I keep making a way I want to be with you I am desperate to dwell among you to find my home among my creation let me just take this into my own hands and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us which says in John chapter 1 so he took it upon himself to say I Emmanuel God with us will come and I will dwell with my people and this time I'm in control of what's going on and as we know it took his death and his resurrection so the question is so where is God today so we've we've got this amazing Uh, journey through scripture about God desiring to be with his people, something going wrong, coming up with a new plan to live and dwell with his people again to the point where he sent his own son. And then what? Where is he today? Where on earth is God? 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know, Murray, that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Sometimes we want to make this verse about the health message that we're a temple and so we should, we should look after our body as it's a temple. Now, we should look after our body, um, but this is not what this verse is talking about at all. It is saying, much like we had in the ages gone by, in Eden, in the tabernacle, in the temple building itself, you now are the place that I reside. It's good to keep that healthy, by the way. But it's a bit bigger than about healthy bodies. It is saying you are the temple. So when the temple got raised in AD 66, around then, I'm looking for help. I don't think the disciples were too phased because that was, that was gone. That was past. There was a new temple. And he says, do you not know that you are the temple of God The Spirit of God dwells in you. In other verses, it says it dwells among you. So the question is, where on earth is God today? It is here and not the building. That's gone. It is here, you and me in community, the very presence of the living God. Can I get an amen? That is pretty incredible that not only did he choose to dwell among us, that he has then taken the step to say, you are now my temple. You are now safe after what I did on the cross. After my resurrection, you are now safe to house the very presence of my spirit and do incredible things. And we know that happened. If you read the book of Acts, some crazy stuff happened. Uh, They were uh, preaching and everyone heard it, no matter what language They spoke, they heard it in their own language and it was as if the spirit was undoing all of the work back in Genesis when he distributed the peoples, he confused their languages and he says, do you know what? I am restoring this place to the way it was meant to be and your language in that moment will be unified under the unified spirit that brings everyone together. Unbelievable. This verse is a cracker because I reckon we would have nearly had a get-behind-me-Satan response to this one. John 16, 7. But I tell you the truth, and I didn't make this up. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage, speaking to his disciples, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. And I'm sure Peter would have just been going, that's not going to happen. And Jesus would have just said, get behind me, Satan, because this is the plan. And you need to trust me when I tell you that there is something greater coming. And you'd be going, how could anything be greater than Jesus? How is that even possible? How is this in the Bible It is to your advantage that I go away. I don't feel like it's often to my advantage that he went away. And that tells me and I'm not in touch with what the Spirit is doing in my life. I I would much rather just Jesus be sitting here in my living room with me. That's why I left the empty chair. It's what you do when you're a spiritual person. You always leave an empty chair so that Jesus could come and sit. Um, That's actually not the reason. The helper will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you the Christian who neglects the Holy Spirit is like a lamp that is not plugged in so what is a life like if you get plugged in that's the question today and that's the part we want to focus on um, now as we move forward into so what difference does it actually make then if, if I now accept this truth that God has chosen to dwell and reside in me and among us as his temple, as his people to show and demonstrate his love to, it, to everyone else, if I accept that as true, what difference or what can I expect to happen in my life if I invite him to be a part of it? There is no better way to tell you than to give you an example. So I'm going to invite um, Gemini up. Um, Gemini is the one who's coming into my living room because um, as a friend of Gemini's, I've been listening to her story, um, mostly because I had no chance to to say stop. Yeah. Um, probably, that, that is, so when I say listen to her story, I was um, held to ransom, basically, <laughs> um, because she has been so excited about what the Spirit is doing in her life um, lately. And it is... I'm just going to say it's going to be, it's surprising. So, um, the backstory is also probably a year ago or more, we were talking and the conversation was really different, which was, what am I going to do with my life? Um, and so me taking on the role of the Holy Spirit told you what I thought, um, which was thankfully ignored. Um, (laughs) you did try, but you realised, yeah, it was just bad advice. So, um, so it's been a real journey to to get to this point. This isn't something that's just like, oh, spirit's moving, happened all of a sudden, no lead up. There's been a real process here. So I'm just going to say, so what's been going on in your life generally, and then we'll talk about what the Holy Spirit's been doing.
1: Okay. Um, so Douglay and I run a renovation business. Are you running away, Murray? Are ready? No, I'm... You're waiting for me to just go off on one. No. Um Yeah, so we run a a renovation business and during COVID, um, I felt, well, just before COVID, I was going to go back to um, my roots, which was into into filmmaking and then COVID happened and I was like, oh, this was supposed to be my year, God, what's going on? Um, So it was a very, very hazy thing. I'm like, God, would you just tell me what it is that you want me to do? You know, I feel like I've got absolutely no purpose. Make it clear. And so the Holy Spirit said... Okay, wham, bam, this is exactly what you're going to do. And it was a, a renovation. So it was a flip that we were going to work on. So as a family, um, my mum, my stepdad and Douglas and I started working on a flip.
0: So you can see this is this is the beginning, right?
1: This is the beginning.
0: Um, up on the screen. So, um, and this is near where you this are? Is, yeah, this is where about live?
1: Yeah, three minutes down the road from where we live in Tambourine Mountain.
0: All right, so... Talk to us about, I suppose, the journey of the renovation. The renovation is really just the vehicle of yep. everything else that happened. Yeah. Um, I'm going to flick through some of the photos, yeah, but yeah. tell us the story about, um, I suppose, what happened as a result of, of this plant. Well, look,
1: I was really worried about um, this when we first started. I thought we'd get our money back on it, but I wasn't sure, because it's on actually a main road in Tambourine Mountain, um, so it's it doesn't have that... Uh, Acreage, feel, and what have you. Um, I was I was a bit concerned when we first started off, but we um, are a family of prayer, and we laid hands on that property, and we asked for blessings to be bestowed on it, and that's that is what happened. Every tradesman that came and worked with us was incredible. There was there was one guy who was doing our landscaping, and he he hadn't been a Christian, and he was telling us about his testimony and how the Holy Spirit literally appeared to him when he was driving and said I am Jesus, I am Lord of all and he was so blown away that he's become a, a full blown born again so I won't go into his entire story but that was really inspirational and then uh, we had some guys paint our roof this, this is the roofers and this is the exciting thing these guys were like if you open up Acts and you get the first new believers and you wanted to see what they look like it was like putting your hand into the Bible and dragging them out and saying here they are They were so excited. When we first met them, like they had names, you know, like Mohammed, and I was like, oh, Muslim, okay, groovy, you know, we're doing a roof. Like, we're not here to talk about religion. Um, But we heard this music going on on the roof, and we thought at first, well, they're tradies, you know, like everybody likes to have their ghetto blasters. No, 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 these guys were on the roof, right, with their big speaker, hands in the air, I surrender, I want to know you more. And Doug and I are looking up like this, going, maybe they're Christians. Typical
0: tradies. Maybe Typical they're tradies. Christians.
1: Yeah. With a like, the ghetto there's blaster. No, there's no, yeah. And then, and then they'd stop and they'd go, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And then they, you know, get their gun out and start spraying the thing again. And anyway, um, they came downstairs and they said to me, Jamina, do you know the real Jesus? I think I do. Like, I'm pretty sure I do. How I'm about like, how have do you, you painted you know my him? roof?
0: I'm like, um, yeah,
1: I'm like, how do you know him? And and the, anyway, they're both from Iran. Um, and Alex, um, he, his, his story is probably the most interesting in the fact that He was a very devoted Muslim and he was praying four times a day. And he said, you know, Iran, it's absolutely illegal to be a Christian. You can be beheaded for this sort of thing. And he said to me um, that he was praying one day during his five times a day. And he said, look, why am I praying in Arabic when um, my language is, is Persian? If you are really there, if you're taking interest in my life, if there is a relationship, then make yourself known to me. And he said, and nothing happened. And so he became really angry and he became an atheist. And then one night, he, his mother and his sister all had exactly the same dream, and in that dream, he said Jesus appeared to him. And I was like, "Wow, did he, what did he look like? Was he Middle Eastern? You know?" And he said, "No, no, no. He actually had white hair like wool and bronze skin." And I'm like, "Oh, like Revelation!" He's like, "Yes, do you know Revelation? Yes, I know Revelation." So, do we know Revelation? Oh, right? My goodness, Adventists, come on, we know our Revelation. And and then he said, and and Jesus gave a piece of paper to my mother, two pieces to give my sister and I, and then he he. We got this piece of paper and Jesus said, eat. And so we ate and, and then we were filled with word and then we woke up and he said, I had no idea what the Holy Spirit was, but the Holy Spirit was filling our house and we just were overcome with emotion and, and we were praising God. Now, he woke up at five o'clock in the morning from this prayer, right? 5 p.m. that evening, somebody knocks on the door with a paper bag and gives it to him. And he says, my brother, I was woken by an audible voice this morning at five in the morning that said get up to come to your house because you are ready for the word and so he t- he takes the and he had, he had no idea he'd never read a Bible before and here he had his Bible now he runs a church here he came over to Australia and did four years of training he's now a, a pastor of a Persian church in Brisbane so we were we were so inspired by these guys stories and um you know and the other guy as well he'd been in a in a a refugee camp and been separated from his child and was suicidal and, and basically he got to the point that said, "If you are there, tell me because I'm ready to end it," you know, and um, and Jesus appeared in the same form to him, interestingly, and said, "You can rest in me because I am the way, the truth, and the life." and find your peace that passes no understand, all understanding in me. And the next time that the visa people came through, they said, how are you today? And he said, I am at peace. I feel at peace because I have Jesus. And then he was reunited with his son. And the part that always makes me cry in all of this is I said, so your son had been born and had never seen you before. What was it like when when he saw you did he hide in his mother's you know in his mother's shoulder he said he ran to me and he has not left my side since and I'm like you know the child knows the sound of the father's voice you know don't we know the sound of our own father's voice when God calls us by name
0: so at this point I just want to remind you all Gemini and Doglay and her family If you're watching the slides, uh, there's Vivi, uh, doing her best, uh, and Jazzy was up there before. All they decided to do was renovate a house. Um, It wasn't a Christian renovation show, at all. It was, we're going to renovate our house, and we need some tradespeople. And these are the the people that were led into her life. So I know there is more to this story. So tell us how that's developed, and and we'll keep Uh, looking at some of the pictures.
1: I will skip towards the end um, of the renovation where I decided because I'd done a real estate course and I actually wanted to be a buyer's agent that I would sell our own house. The market's hot; I'd at least give it a good go. You know, I have a film and photography background. Why not do that? Save ourselves some money in the process. So, we um, what I did is I only just put one photograph of ours on the internet on marketplace actually, and I said if anyone wants to see it before it actually goes live on the market you know book an appointment and so I had about seven people lined up on this Sunday and I'm praying I'm like God you know it's pouring with rain is there any way that you can stop the rain and he didn't I'm like God you're embarrassing me this is the first time I'm doing this help me out here and uh, and it was interesting the rain didn't stop but there were pockets every time I started showing people outside it would stop raining and then we'd show it inside it would start again and then the next lot of people would come And the same thing would happen and these people didn't seem to want to leave like they would stay and stay and stay and it's interesting you show people just the tiniest bit of kindness and they open up and tell you their whole life story and anyway we got two offers that day and the first lady she was actually and she's important she um was a domestic violence case and now she works with victims of domestic violence and she wants to move to tambourine mountain to have a new life um and anyway, I was really, really hoping—we were all hoping—that <laughs> she, her offer was going to be the best, and it, it wasn't. It went way and above. Like the realest, I'm going to throw some figures at you just so you can see what amazing thing God has done. Okay, we um, we bought it for ten. And the real estate agent, who's very realistic with us, who's a friend of ours, she came through after we'd finished and she said, look, I think, you know, in this market, the way things are going, you're probably 575, but maybe over sixes if you're lucky. I was like, well, let's push for 650 at least. So our first offer was 650 and then the second offer was 670 and our last offer was 700. And I know that we went in with our loaves and fishes and god jesus literally said thanks guys rolled up his sleeves and went now watch me multiply and he he made that happen we prayed over that house we kept praying over it and not for the money side of things but that for anyone and everyone that came onto that site that they would be blessed that they would come in and they would feel a sense of peace and that they would be at home and that was the comment that i got from everyone that came through is I feel like this is home, I feel comfortable here. And because we had gotten that great price, this lady who had originally put in the offer, the DV case, she, um, she wrote to me. She said, oh, I'm so devastated. I've sold my house to buy yours. I know it's not your problem at all. And I said, I just felt compelled that I had to help her because God had paid me in advance, okay? He'd paid me in advance. And so I said to her, look, I wanna help you. Oh, no, you don't need to. Yes, I do, and I'm gonna do it for free. On Sunday, we're going to go find you a, a house. We're finding you a home. I'm gonna buy you this house on your behalf. And there are no properties at the moment on Tambourine Mountain, especially in her price range. There's just nothing. And I was praying, I'm like, God, there's this one, but there is a it's an open house and on a Saturday and it's gonna go on the Saturday. Please just hold them off till the Sunday, till I get there. And we went in on the Sunday and I started negotiating really hard with this agent. Um And we ended up buying her the house. uh, And she will now end up with a bigger and better house that we will renovate for her for less than what she was willing to pay for ours. So she has been blessed more so in this process. But God hadn't finished because then he said, okay, well, since you obeyed what I asked you to do, I'm now going to bless you again because the agent that you're going to meet is important. I didn't know this at the time, but while I'm going back and forth with him, by the end he goes to me, I want you to work for me. Can you work for me? And I'm like, oh, listen, I won't work Saturdays. I know that that's a big deal for you guys and it, it's a deal breaker for me. Sabbaths are really important to me. And he goes, oh, that's cause it's the Sabbath. And I look at him and I'm like, are you an Adventist? He said, no, I'm a believer. I said, well, what do you believe in? So we get into this massive conversation in front of the client about the Sabbath and about, you know, how God has been moving and she's like watching us because I've prayed, I actually prayed over the property with her. I said, do you mind if I pray about it? She's like, oh, so I did. And now she's, she's writing me text messages. She's just so over the moon about this property. I feel like I've been blessed by the angels and that God's come into my life. So she's been testified to, but in the process, I've actually found a new mentor. So I'm now working with David, okay, but it didn't end there because this week
0: I mean we do need to end though I know. at some oh, stage. No, 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 no. I this is the last thing. This is the last out. thing. Yeah.
1: So David then David then rings me this week, right? And he said, Um, Jem, I want to um I want you to come to a meeting and, and I said, Okay, great. And so I go to the meeting and there in front of all of the other agents he says, So everyone, I just want you to know, put put this make make a mental note that um, we are not you're not to ring me from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday because that is my day of rest. I'm no longer doing open homes or private inspections during that time. Just like that.
0: It's pretty awesome.
1: It's pretty awesome.
0: Just renovating a home.
1: Just renovating a home. And, and you know, God said to me at the beginning, I am the renovator. I don't look for the flaws. I know the flaws are there. I look for the potential and what it can become. And that, that is what it became.
0: Um, and we've got to give a shout-out to the family as well because they were on this journey and, and part of it. I think dog lay is fairly handy as well um, when only, it comes to this stuff. Bit. So, um, what? And, and this is the funny thing, right? There is more to that story, yeah. right? There is more to that story. Um, thanks, Gemina. Right. Awesome. <clears throat> So the point is, you will find a book about renovating a house but you will not find a book about that happening when you renovate a house. That is the difference I'm trying to communicate between a book that is helpful and will help you do stuff and a life that is lived with the Spirit. Because sometimes we get scared about what life with the Spirit might be because we just think it's going to be just, what's it going to get me to do? And if you would ask Gemini, so what have you and your family been up to over the last year or so, you'd say, "Well, we've been renovating home." That is, that is true. But it is so much more because of the Spirit working in their life. So God is not your life coach. He is a life transformer of your every ordinary day. The normal days that you spend during your week, no matter what your job is or what you do or where you are, God can transform that. He, chances are He won't ask you to do necessarily anything different, but you will be different in what you are doing. So, how does He do that? And this is, I'm going to leave you, I'm conscious of time. It's two ways. How are we transformed by the Spirit? Number one, he transforms our character. We sing some lovely songs about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, The kids have got about 5.8 million of them. Um, And we can glaze over this list, but this isn't a list of great traits to read about and then try and do. So when he talks about kindness, he's not talking about buying your mate a Mars bar. He's talking about kindness that is extraordinary. When he's talking about goodness, he's not talking about just being good to your mate. He's talking about goodness that makes no sense to be good. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So the spirit develops our character in these ways. And I want you to think for a moment, what would your life be like if this fruit was part of it more? How how would it be different? How would your marriage be like or different if there was more of this fruit, a part of it? How would our relationships with our children, with our other family members be different if these fruits were more a part of it? How would your workplace be different if you, being filled with the Holy Spirit, brought it to your workplace? How might it be different? How would we live as our character continued to be formed and transformed by the Holy Spirit, not by trying harder, but by just inviting him in. That's the first way. Our character is being transformed. Sanctification is another word for it, the ongoing process of God transforming our character and our lives. The other thing that the Spirit gives us, that I'm going to look at, is our ability to serve. So he transforms our character and gives us gifts to then serve so I'm just going to read it. First one, Romans 12, 6 to 8. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It goes on in 1 Corinthians and it says, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The common good. To give who glory? Me glory? Look at my gift. It's given for the common good to give God glory the glory to one there is given through the spirit a message of wisdom to another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still another the interpretation of tongues and these are the work of of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. We sanitize the spirit when we say the gift of healing is being a doctor. That is the gift of education. That's what that is. That is the gift of studying a ridiculously long time. An amazing gift but we sanitize the spirit when we say the gift of healing is being a doctor we we sanitize the spirit when we when we say the gift of teaching is is just because your profession is teaching it very clearly says this is not of your own doing you don't choose your gift the spirit distributes them to each one as he determines and i can guarantee on many occasions they're often the ones you may not even realize you have because he doesn't want you to think you've done it. He wants you to know it is of him. There are those who believe that the spirit and what he did in Acts was just for that time. Unbelievable. That that side of things is just it's ceased and we're just we're just waiting now for God to do big ending. God doesn't say that. I'm going to finish with what Jesus says. Because the last question I want to answer is, so how do we invite the Spirit to be more part of our life? And the answer is that we ask. The answer is that we seek. The answer is that we knock. In Luke it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he be given a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, Will his offer be a scorpion? It's basically saying, you're asking your father for something. Is he going to give you something less? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's as if He says you can ask for whatever you want, but the answer is always the Holy Spirit because He is the one that distributes those gifts, that transforms your character, that leads you in directions throughout your life in whatever you do during your day to be part of. So I'm going to close. We're going to pray. If... Um, You want further prayer, we've got our prayer corner down there. Uh, And then we'll we'll finish our service today. Let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Dear Lord, we are so thankful for Your Word. For giving us Your inspired Word that tells us there is a life right now today that is probably far better than we're living. That we are not in a waiting period, that we are not in a holding pattern waiting for the end to come, but there is an abundant life right now and it cannot be lived through self-help. It can only be lived through your spirit, through your presence, which changes us. I want to thank you for your presence in the life of Gemina and her family and the story she shared today, but more than that, for the people that she encountered that are changed because of meeting her and the work you are doing through her, for the people she has met that are lovers of Jesus and are changing her in this wonderful community and unity that the Spirit brings amongst people. So Lord, today we ask, we seek, we knock, and it's my prayer that we continue to ask to seek to knock to live a life um, that is to our advantage now that you have gone and that we seek for that advantage that we find it and that we continue to knock until we realize the difference the spirit makes in our life in jesus name amen